Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Welcome, everybody. My name is Dan Krause. I'm the lead pastor here at Berean Baptist Church, and it is so good to spend some dry time with you. Uh, I made the mistake last time we were outside to brag about how every time we have an outdoor service, the weather is just perfect. You're welcome. So here we are. For those of you who have been praying for rain, good job. You're doing great with that. Hey, listen, I'm a little bit excited today. I have, uh, I have been so energized this past week as Monday through Friday, every morning, I got to start my day with the students at Mansfield Christian School and their spiritual emphasis week. Any of you guys, any teenagers been, were, that were there all week? Well, you're super excited too, so thanks for completely letting the air out of my tires. That was fantastic. Have a great day, everybody. I'm going home. <laughs> Anyways, it was really good. I ended Friday. Um, the, the, the theme of their school year this year is to guard your heart. And I think we can agree that we live in a time where it's, it's absolutely important for not just our young people, but all of us to be guarding our heart. But at the end of the week on Friday, I wanted to take the messages from being defensive to be offensive. Because I believe that the church is an offensive weapon that needs to be deployed and used to bring the gospel and the light of Jesus Christ to a dark and dying world. Amen? And you know what? If our student body can get fired up about that, oh man, tomorrow looks awesome, guys. Tomorrow looks awesome. There's been some cool things happening uh, around the world, but also here locally at Berean. Uh, God has been growing us in a time where a lot of people are struggling just to maintain. Uh, during COVID, we have grown something like 15 to 20 percent in our, in our gathering. Uh, this summer has been remarkable. Usually, uh, churches in the summertime, your attendance goes down to maybe 80, 85 percent of what it typically is. We haven't seen that dip at all. God is doing something really cool here. And I've had some time over the past few weeks to reflect on uh, uh, my ministry philosophy. Like, what are we, where are we trying to go as a body of believers at Berean? Do we want to be the next big thing in Mansfield? Do we want to grow and expand and, 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 and go all over the uh, uh, Richland County and just continue to grow that way? And, and, and before I say what, what I think we, the direction is we need to go, I want, I want to say this. The people who are doing that might well be doing exactly what God wants them to do. So in no way is this going to be to critique, to critique what God is doing in other churches. In no way. This is about what we're, where I believe we need to be leading and heading at Berean Baptist Church. Because I believe as an organization, as a body of Christ, that growth is something that is encouraging and needed. We ought to be growing, right? We have the greatest news in the history of mankind, and the world so desperately needs to hear it. But here's what I'm going to say to you this morning and multiple times after. The world needs you to be an evangelist more than they need Berean to have evangelistic programs. Oh, sit in that stuff for a second. The world, your neighbors, needs you to be an evangelist more than they need our church to have an evangelistic program. There is already a program. It was designed by God, instituted by Christ, and that was for the church to go out and reach the lost and dying world. Ladies and gentlemen, look in the mirror. You're the church. Would you turn your Bibles real quick to Romans chapter 10? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this day. God, thank you for this opportunity to open your word. 
thank you, God, for this opportunity to not be bench sitters, but to be in the game, every one of us, joining you on mission, the greatest adventure that we could ever imagine. And we don't need to be spectators. We get to be participants. God, thank you for that. God, as we look, look at your word today, as we continue to uh, worship you in song, as we, as we hear from others later on this morning, may your spirit speak in, in and through me and everybody else that is on this stage. And God, may you cause us to take that step closer to you. Would you move the line of faith in every one of our lives? God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 10, I'm going I'm to start off in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess your, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going to pause just real quick here. Did you know this truth in your life? Have you accepted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Meaning you say, God, I am yours. I am yours. I am going to follow you. You are my Lord. You are my master. And I am your servant. Everything that I have is yours. If you haven't said that, if you haven't confessed Jesus with your mouth, if you haven't accepted him as your Lord, would you do that today? Because it's the greatest decision that you will ever make. I'm going to continue to read. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to continue to read. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Friends, you want to hear my philosophy of ministry? My philosophy of ministry is this, that all of you would have beautiful feet. That all of you would have beautiful feet. I would rather have a small church with beautiful feet than a mega church with, like, nasty feet. The first church of toe jam. We don't want that, right? Anybody else here grossed out by, by feet a little bit? Some of you are lying. There's a lot more of you that are grossed out by feet. Listen, I want us to be a church of beautiful feet. So when we gather here on a Sunday morning, are we going to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus? Absolutely. I have been ordained as a minister of the gospel. So we're going to talk about it an awful lot. But friends, I am failing in my job. I am failing in my job and I'm failing in my ministry if you are not equipped and sent to reach your neighbors. I want to be a church with beautiful feet. Why is that? Guys, the stakes are so high. The stakes are so high. The people in your neighborhood, the people in your circle of influence, may only ever hear the name of Jesus rightly proclaimed from your mouth. 
Would you take that responsibility seriously? Would you take that opportunity seriously? Listen, guys, it is, it is a mess of emotion sometimes for us to be able to speak truth into somebody's lives. It can be so many sweaty palms and upset stomachs and sleepless nights. But can I tell you something? If you haven't experienced watching somebody pass from death into life into your, in your lifetime, you need to experience it because once you taste that, you want more. And once you get more, you want even more because you watch and a miracle happened as somebody is raised from death into life and has eternity to look forward to. Let's be a church with beautiful feet. <laughs> Friends, let us never measure the health of Berean Baptist Church by our seating capacity. Let us only measure it by our sending capacity. Because that's what we've been called to do. We're going to sing another song of praise, and I'm going to be back up here. I'm going to introduce to you somebody who's even more excited than I am. Can you believe that? Let's get back up on our feet and continue to praise God. Hey, listen, uh, Brian has a long history of sending missionaries um, from our midst. And, and I got here this morning, I got to see a familiar face, Pastor Steve Wilkinson. Where are you? I see you around here somewhere. Oh, right here. Waving at me right here. Uh, would you stand up real quick? So Pastor Steve Wilkinson was one of Brian's first missionaries to be sent to the field. Thanks. Um, I'm going to have you speak for about five. No, I'm kidding. Thank you very much. So it, it's really cool to see him. And then we have other people. We have people that were part of this, this, this bigger movement called Converge. And, and uh, we've got another friend from out of town, Jenny uh, Bollinger. Is that how I say your last name? It's not, is it? Okay, good. Will you stand up real quick, Jenny? Here's why you're going to love Jenny even more than, well, you'd love her more if you met her. But you guys, in her context, will really love her because her dad is Pastor Mike Wells. So welcome, Jenny, as well. Do you absolutely hate me now for being that next guy who said, this is Mike's daughter? <laughs> I'm sorry, Jenny. <laughs> but uh, uh, she works with our missionaries in our Mid-Atlantic Conference, and it's a joy that she's here with us as well. Listen, I, I, have, I have a motive for what we're going to be talking about today and who I'm going to be interviewing, and I want to be very clear about that motive. Number one, uh, this young lady, Yana, uh, whom you're going to meet, uh, is absolutely incredible. Pastor Bill and I met her and JJ, who you met last week, at a, uh, um, a missions conference that, our, that our, our denomination, Converge, puts on in Denver. And uh, after meeting these two people, Bill and I were like, we need Brian to meet them. We need Brian to meet these two people and uh, perhaps start a long-standing relationship with them as they are going on their field. Of course, JJ last, year, last week that you met is in uh, ministering in Togo in West Africa. Uh, Yana, who you're going to meet today, I'll let her tell you, let her tell you what, where she's going and what she's up to in just a moment. But here's, here's the other motive that I have. I want you to be inspired to the point of movement in your life. Inspired in two ways. One, to share the good news and the gospel in your own context with the people around you. Or perhaps it's the second part of this. I am hoping that maybe you who are hearing me right now, that one of you will be that next generation of missionary. 
I am hoping that you're going to hear this young lady and her story and be inspired to the point of movement and say, God, I know you've been talking to me for some time, but I've been maybe afraid. I wasn't really sure if I should go. Listen, listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you today. Perhaps God is calling you to go serve in the mission field. And maybe today's that day where you're going to say, yes, Lord. Would you guys join me in welcoming Yana to the stage? You started all the way in the back. I kind of feel like, is it Bob Barker? Come on down! <laughs> Here you go. You guys could have clapped longer. That made it a little less awkward. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I started in the back because I wanted to be nice. I wanted Jenny to be able to see a familiar face when she walked in and have a seat to sit in. And all these people found me. I'm looking for inspiration, not excuses, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I got to meet so many people from the church that told me some of their stories of you guys having a long and standing partnership in Ukraine. So, Yana, speaking of Ukraine, give us some background. Where, where, uh, where have you come from? Yeah, so I actually I have a picture um, on my slide, but I'm originally from Ukraine, born and raised. I was born in western Ukraine in a city called Lviv. Um, and then I grew up in the eastern part of Ukraine in a city called Chernihiv, which is now all over the news because um, my hometown is completely war-torn. And in fact, I still have a lot of family friends um, living in, in that part of Ukraine right now amidst war. Yeah. So you, but you were born where in Ukraine? I was, I was born in Lviv, Ukraine, but around the time that... I was born, my mom, she was pregnant with me, and my dad's um, side of the family is from eastern Ukraine and Chernihiv, and Chernihiv and Chernobyl are really close to one another. So when I was born, I was born with radiation poisoning from the Chernobyl disaster, and I spent the first two years of my life getting more radiation, because at that time the Soviets said that it was the only way to cure it, um, and I was extremely sick, be, not from the initial, um, not from the initial disaster, but from then receiving more radiation, and so I needed to have my kidneys regenerated. And praise the Lord that I'm okay and healthy, and God preserved my life for His plans and His purposes. But I was born around that time. And at the time, um, I know this probably had nothing to do with what you wanted to talk about, but I've got a microphone too. Sure. Um, <laughs> Did the doctors say something about, like, there might be some developmental issues, that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, of course. Um, they told my parents that, um, well, first of all, they told my parents to abort me because to have a child with Ill illnesses in Ukraine, physical illnesses, costs a lot of money. Um, and so they, the doctors basically told my parents I would be extremely dyslexic, I might have issues um, writing and even walking, and they also said that I would be a very low energy child, and so that's how I can say that the Holy Spirit definitely lives in me, because. <laughs> and uh, I, I think this is remarkable, and and it has to do with your story later on. But how many languages do you speak? I speak seven languages. Yeah, as you all know, I struggle with one, <laughs> so so I'm impressed by that for sure. Uh, so, so what brings you to Ohio today? Get us up to speed. Um, you've got a PowerPoint. I'm going to just kind of sit here and be quiet while you kind of let us know what's all happening. Yeah. 
Um, so I met Pastor Dan and Pastor Bill actually through Jenny, who works at Converge, and she said, Yana, there's these two pastors. They have a long-standing relationship in Ukraine. You need to meet them. And so I met them, and I just instantly felt at home. I felt a connection. Um, and so I um, have been in communication with Pastor Dan and Pastor Bill, and they invited me to come and to spend five days here with the Berean Church family, just getting to know them better, building relationships. Um, Pastor Bill and Julie have been hosting me, and I've just had the best time. And I have been so amazed and so encouraged at the heartbeat of this church, for not only for the gospel, but also for the people of Ukraine. I turned my microphone off. So um, you have the PowerPoint? I do. You want to jump right into I that? I would love to. All right, cool. Okay. So um, I have a slide here. That would be the first slide that's going to come up. And so that's a picture of me in first grade. And so for any of you who have been to Ukraine, you know that during the time of communism, the goal was to pledge allegiance to the government. Um, religion was all about the fact that the government is God. And so I got indoctrinated as a child. So this is a picture of me in first grade um, wearing my school uniform and holding a book in my hand, which will teach me everything that I need to know about being a good communist um, and a good citizen under communism. So that's the first picture. And we could go to the next slide. Um, the next slide is I just really want to talk about uh, my heartbeat for missions. Um, how, what, what happened in my life that caused me to have a passion for evangelism? Um, I will start off by saying that I don't preach the gospel because I'm a missionary. I preach the gospel because of the transforming work that the gospel has done in my life and my desire for other people to also experience the same thing when they get to see the love of Jesus. And so um, when I was a young person, I, some of you might be laughing, thinking she's young. <laughs> so um, when I was a, after high school, I moved to the country of Hungary to attend a Bible institute. And during that time, my roommates and I, we were at the shopping mall and we saw a long line of people standing outside of the Apple store with sleeping bags. And I remember that it really caught my attention, and I was wondering, what are these people doing? So we heard that the first 100 people who would be at the door the next morning would have the opportunity to purchase the newest iPhone. Today, it seems as if every year a new version is coming out, but back then, it was like a new thing. So I remember coming back to my dorm, and this idea just really bothered me. And so I started to have this conversation with the Lord about it. And what I came to realize is that I felt so convicted because I realized how much I value my stuff. Um, and today, there's even shows about it. We see shows like Hoarders about all these people who, in their living spaces, they have all, all these things but barely enough room to even live inside. And it, it just shows how much we value our things, how much we value our comforts. And this idea is not a new idea. In fact, if we consider the Egyptians from the time that a king was born, he would begin to prepare for the afterlife. Tombs would be built, and inside of those tombs, 
they would pack everything that they felt and believed that they would need in the life to come. The question that I was presented with is when you die, what can you bring with you to heaven? What is it that you own today that is going with you? There's only one thing that we could bring to heaven, and that's people. And if it's true, what would it look like if instead of us collecting our things, we put the same kind of emphasis of sharing with our neighbors, with our families, with our friends, with the person who's checking us out at the grocery store about the love of Jesus. And so this thought, this idea, it radically changed my life. And this morning, I just want to share some statistics with you um, that we could find on the next slide. 70,000 people, that's the number of people that die in the world every single day without hearing about the love of Jesus. 70,000 people means one person every single 1.4 seconds. It takes 1.4 seconds for us to snap our fingers. Every single time that I snap my fingers, somebody in the world is dying right now without ever hearing about the love of Jesus. The clock never stops. I could stop snapping, but the clock never stops. So before me, I have something that I brought. What is this? Shout it out. It's a Coca-Cola can. Do you know that 98% of the world has access to Coca-Cola except two countries? The two countries are North Korea and Cuba, which are both communist countries. But 98% of the world has access to Coca-Cola. Do you know that still one-third percent of the world does not have access to the gospel? Friends, let me ask you a question this morning. Who is a better communicator of their product, Coca-Cola or us as believers? I feel very convicted about this. And so for me, I want to spend the rest of my life telling other people about the good news of Jesus. And the truth is that you don't have to go far to find people that don't know who God is and what Christ has done for them. Um, Ivan, who's the vice president of our organization at Converge, he says, the greatest injustice in the world is to be born, to live, and to die without ever hearing the presentation of the gospel. We could go to the next slide. Um, so I want to tell you a little bit about my experience. I served in the country of Hungary as a missionary for 10 years. I never thought that I would go into missions, but the door opened, and I wanted to be obedient, and so I said yes. But during my time in Hungary, I started to meet a lot of people from Poland, and so I started to go into the country of Poland to visit them and also to do short-term trips. And I continued to hear the same thing when I would depart. Yana, please pray for me. It's so hard here to be a Christian. I don't know any other believer in my school. Yana, please pray for me. There's no church in my town. Yana, please pray for me. I'm really struggling. My parents are not happy about me reading the Bible. And I just began to see the needs of Poland. Poland is only 0.2% reached with the gospel. Those are the same statistics that we would find in the Middle East. Today, a lot of people, when they're looking into missions, they want to go to Africa. They want to go to the Middle East. They want to go to India. But it seems as if Europe always gets overlooked. 
But in Europe, you will find some of the lowest statistics for the gospel. And so that's what I was seeing in Poland. And I, not, it was nine years ago that I began to feel burdened and convicted for the country of Poland. We could go to the next slide. So I want to share with you a little bit of a story about a girl named Polina. So I met Polina during the times that I would take short-term trips to Poland, and she began to attend a Bible club. It was a local program in the village, and she heard the gospel, and she trusted Christ as her Savior. Polina was so excited to begin her relationship with God. She started to read his word. Anytime that she would come back to the Bible club, she would have questions, and we were so happy for her. Polina lost her parents, so she was being raised by her grandmother. And when her grandmother found out that she was reading the Bible at home, her grandmother said, Polina, we can't do this. You cannot be bringing the Bible to my house. And she said, but Grandma, I believe in God. I want to know about him. And she said, well, you can go and talk to the local priest. So she asked her grandma, okay, well, does that mean that we can start going to services? And she said, no, we're not going to go to services. So Paulina continued to read the word of God. She told us that her grandmother was really unhappy with her about it. And one day when she showed up at her grandmother's apartment, there was a sign on the door, and it said, my home is no longer your home, and all of her things were packed. We hear stories like this about locations such as the Middle East. We do not expect to hear stories like this about a country that is over in Europe. And so Poland is known as a Catholic nation. To be Polish is to be Catholic. And I've met people on the street before when I ask them, oh, are you a faith? What do you believe? And they say, well, of course, I'm Polish, I'm Catholic. And then the next follow-up question is I say, well, what do you think about God? And they laugh. They say, God? I don't believe in God. This was confusing. In the States, and here in America, you can find somebody that is a Catholic who has a relationship with God and who may even believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and rose from the grave. But in Poland, very rare. However, to be Polish is to be Catholic. So then to be Polish and to be anything else means that you can no longer be Polish. And so this is the hurdle that we always have to deal with. Polina's story doesn't end there. The people that I was serving short-term trips with, they ended up taking her in. Polina went to Ukraine. She studied at a Bible institute there, and then she stayed there to be a missionary to Ukraine. And since the war, she has returned back to Poland. The next story that we could go to um, is the fact that Poland is only 0.2% reached. And so 3 billion people around the world are still unreached. And they don't know about Jesus. Growing up, I was really influenced about the story of the Elliots. Elizabeth Elliot and Jim Elliot were both really faithful to God to serve him as single people. And eventually, the Lord brought them together, and they got married. And there are people who have really foundationally mentored me and invested into my life, even though I've never met them. But I've read all their books. And it seems as if a lot of times when we're talking about missionaries, we're always looking back. Oh, remember this person and what he did. Oh, remember that person and what she did. Why are we always looking back? Why can't we look forward? And so my hope is that somebody in this room today 
that God may be calling them into ministry and that they are going to be doing amazing things for the kingdom of God. And so there's this quote, and it says, the world is too lost and the gospel is too glorious for us to be satisfied with past achievements because the three billion unreached remain. And so let's not pat ourselves on the back for what we have done, but let's continue to look at the things that we still need to do for God's kingdom and his glory. Go to the next slide. Um, and so this right here, just to show you a little bit, is a map of Poland. Uh, you could drive through the whole entire country of Poland in about nine hours. It is the same size as New Mexico. And in this map, every single red spot that you see is a city and a town that has a church. Every single pink spot that you see is a city and a town that has a gospel witness, which means a believer is living there. All the white spaces on this map are cities, towns, and all the villages with no church and no believer. This is what 0.2% looks like. Go to the next slide. So we have this wonderful opportunity. Um, I work for Converge International, and I am a part of the 15.5 West Initiative in Poland. Why 15.5 West? Well, what, we, what our goal is, is that we want to be in the 15 largest cities in Poland and the five surrounding villages next to every single one of those cities. And so we have this great opportunity, and we're asking God for a gospel movement among the 15 largest cities in Poland that will also plant gospel communities in at least five unreached villages around each of these cities. The, the next slide is going to tell us a story of a changed life. So when I started taking trips into Poland, another young person that I met was this girl by the name of Martha. And she had heard about the love of Jesus from another missions team who had come over to her church. And she was so excited. At the time, another church got asked us if we would bring a group of young people into their city to do street evangelism and build relationships with people in their town. Martha was too young to go, but her parents called us and they said, look, she just recently came to know the Lord and she's been telling everybody at school and she's getting teased and they're making fun of her and we don't want her to get discouraged. We'll even come with her. Is it okay if our family comes? And so we said yes. And what I found so interesting about Martha is that she was 10 years old. And when we would ask for a volunteer, who would like to share their testimony on the street today? Who would like to do a rope trick? Her hand was always going up while people who were older than her were being really bashful and shy. And so this is a picture of her at 10 years old sharing the gospel on one of the streets in a city that is unreached in Poland. Um, the next slide here shows you what is Martha up to today. Well, I've been investing into her life now for the last nine years, even though I have not been living in Poland. And today, she is somebody that gets called to speak at conferences for believers that are, uh, that are Christians living in Poland. And in addition to that, she is following the same pattern of what has been modeled to her. I've been investing into her life, and then I challenged her. I said, Martha, find five people to invest into, and then get those five people to each find five people to invest into. And so here's some pictures of her doing that today. But in addition, on the next slide, you will see that 
she is out here sitting, singing at an outdoor concert. She is very gifted in music. She graduated from music school, and she began a YouTube channel, and she writes her own Christian songs, and when she gets invited to come and to sing, she says, I'm going to come and I'm going to sing, but only if I could sing my own songs, and all of her songs about, are about the love of Christ. And so this is what a changed life looks like, if more churches would get involved in what God is doing in Poland, we have this wonderful opportunity. Um, if we go to the next slide. What's interesting to me is that nine years ago, I first began to have this burden for the country of Poland. I felt burdened because I saw how much Polish young people that were believers were struggling and that there were no churches and that there were many cities, towns, and villages with no gospel witness. And so I began to pray. And then, some months ago, in March, the war in Ukraine broke out. Before that, a lot of Ukrainians used to say to me, Yana, why, are you, why do you want to go to Poland? Why don't you want to go to Ukraine? And I love Ukraine. I am Ukrainian. But the reality is that there were a lot of missionaries in Ukraine and a lot of churches doing a work in Ukraine. And Apostle Paul, when he would pick where he was going to go in the Bible, he would always choose places where the gospel was not present. And so that was why I was going to Poland. After the war broke out, Ukrainian people no longer asked me, why are you going to Poland? It became realized to me and to them and to many others that God has always been a million steps ahead because 5.6 million Ukrainians have now entered Poland and they are looking for the church because so many of them are believers and they're showing up and pastors, they don't speak Ukrainian. The Ukrainians, they don't speak Polish and I speak both of those languages and I believe that for such a time as this, this is why God is sending me to Poland. This is why this door is now opening, and I'm just excited to be available and to serve and to not only love the Polish people who I've always had a burden for, but also to get to minister to my own people, the Ukrainian people. So I'm going to jump in here. Yeah. That's right. So what needs to happen to get you into Poland? Yeah, so right now I am at 96% in my support. Um, and I still need around um, $300 to be fully funded. That's, in, that's not just three, that's a month. Yeah, that's okay. a month. So <laughs> Somebody's I'm looking, like, let's send her today. <laughs> yeah. This is easy. So I am looking for individuals who are willing to partner with me monthly. I still need $300 in monthly support. And in addition to that, a part of my startup, I still need, it's a one-time gift of $15,000 um, to get to Poland. And that's for things such as my paperwork, my living expenses to secure housing there and a vehicle. And you know, maybe you're here and you're feeling inspired to give towards that. If that's you, or if you have more questions after the service, you can meet Yana at a table out in our lobby. But also know that our missions team will be meeting this Tuesday to talk about what a partnership as, with a, as a church might uh, look like as well. So um, before we wrap up and we go to our last song, I, I want to end with, the, with a little bit of a challenge. Um, if, if you're here and you're listening, again, uh, I already kind of showed my hand as to our motivations for introducing you to Yana. Uh, maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? 
I have been feeling this call on my heart, and it just keeps getting louder, of God asking me to either go into full-time ministry or to go into missions and to leave my, the comfort of my own community and to go to a different place and to serve him there. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that, but for the rest of us, I, I want to I double down on the fact that you are called yeah. to share the gospel of Jesus Christ right where you're at today. Uh, so I want to double down on that, but would you pray with me uh, just for a moment? So if you bow your head and close your eyes, God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for JJ who was here last week and all that you're doing in and through him and his team in, in Togo. But God, thank you for Yana and this desire you have put on her heart. God, the, the story of how you have come before all of this, before she would have ever dreamt of going to Poland, the way you put all of this together is so remarkable that it's, it's clear that there are God prints all over this, this plan, God, and we just thank you for that. With our heads down, our eyes closed, again, maybe that's you. Maybe that's you who is saying, you know, I think that I may be called to go somewhere outside of my cultural context to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand just so I can be praying for you? God, I just pray that you will just continue to speak to hearts, that you will call people from our midst to preach the gospel both here, both near us and far from us, that you might be known, that your name might be known. Use us in our neighborhoods, use us in our towns, in our, in our state, in our country, and around the world, God. And God, I do pray for Yana that she will realize this last 4% and she will do so soon and be able to go to the field that you have called her to. God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.